Yeah, that'd be like not telling kids that if you drop out of school and you don't get a career, you don't get a job, and you end up on the street, they'll say, well, why didn't anyone warn me? And I wonder, especially in light of some of the Ezekiel's warning about the person who will not blow the trumpet when they see danger coming to the city, mm, yeah. that they are held accountable for the blood of those whom they didn't warn. Yeah. I would think that any pastor, preacher, or Christian teacher needs to take that warning seriously. Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada and Truth and Life Today. And with us today again is Dr. John Newfeld, Isaac Dagno of Indoubt Ministries. And uh, we're uh, doing our second part on a, on a series called Hell. Um, John uh, uh, did a series not too many weeks ago called Hell Explained. And you can get that series on backtothebible.ca. Uh, but we've had some interesting response to the series, some of it very positive. Uh, some of the people saying, you know, I had to hear this. You know, I, I've been sort of avoiding it, uh, consciously or unconsciously. And somewhere it's stirred up some feelings of, uh, you know, when I was a child, it was, it was battered over my head and I had nightmares about it and these types of things, which I think we get and sympathize with. I mean, this is a, this is a terrible, terrible subject. And, you know, um, in, in society today, we, we joke a lot about, hell. We, we uh, joke a lot about the devil and all these types of things, but this is, this is not a funny subject. Yeah, you know, it's a funny thing as well that you had mentioned, Ben, that, you know, our generation perhaps knows it more than Isaac's generation. And, and last time we spoke, that's the thing that Isaac had mentioned, although I must say that for myself, I never heard hellfire sermons ever hmm. growing up. So, um, and I do think that there are a number of boomers like myself who also didn't. Mm. Um, but I do think that my folks, your grandparents, right. did. Okay. Yeah. So I do think yeah. the, the 1960s saw a profound change right. in the way in which we talked about theology and biblicism. Yeah. Now, in one of your messages in the Hell series, you talk about the many, many uh, times Jesus refers to hell. And I remember one uh, particular portion in your message where you almost suggested that, you know, Jesus is, is trying to sort of push the hot button. He, he's trying to make you fearful of hell. And I guess that's exactly what he's trying to do. I do think that the scripture gives us um, both the rewards and the potential punishments all at the same time. Yeah. Um, it wants us to say, you know, go for it. And then at the other hand, warns you, stay away from that. Mm -hmm. And in a way, any message that's an important message is about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's say we're trying to tell someone to stop smoking. Well, we're going to tell them about all the potential health risks that are there if they carry on. But we also want to tell them that if they yeah. stop smoking, there's, be, you know, there, there's going to be a health yes, that they're going to have. Yeah. And we're going to tell them all the benefits mm -hmm. that can come to them. So in that sense... What the scripture is doing is no different than what we do in all of our motivation. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to say, I can't think of any area where we're motivating people. Either stay in school, because if you don't, but if you do, right? <laughs> we do that with everything. Yeah. So why should we be so surprised when we find that here? And, and by not talking about it doesn't make it any less of a reality. Yeah, that'd be like telling, not telling kids that if you drop out of school and you don't get a career, you don't get a job, and you end up on the street, they'll say, well, why didn't anyone warn me? And I wonder, 
especially in light of some of the Ezekiel's warning about the person who will not blow the trumpet when they see danger coming to the city. Mm, That they are held accountable for the blood of those whom they didn't warn. I would think that any pastor, preacher, or Christian teacher needs to take that warning seriously. And and I think of Hebrews, and so much of Hebrews is an explanation of Jesus and then an exhortation. You know, tell, he, you know, the writer is telling them, okay, now this is what you need to do. And you know, we get to the end of chapter 10, and when you have that line, it is a fearful thing to be in the hands of the living God. And there's a reason why they put that in there. And before that, it's even more, you know, there's more kind of extreme stuff. There's a reason why it's in there. Uh, the writer wants the readers to know it is a fearful thing to be in the hands of a living God. Now, there's a very real movement. So we uh, sometimes we sort of go and say, here's what culture is saying. But there's a very real movement uh, within, I don't know, within the church or at least a theological movement that would suggest hell is bunk in essence. And there's a number of different ways of people dealing with it. There are those people who will argue that, that hell is of a limited duration, and then after the suffering is done, the people are annihilated. So there's that annihilationist view. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting because the idea behind it is, look, you are called upon to suffer for a given period of time, and then you've paid your sentence. But if you've paid your sentence, why are you being annihilated? Yes? Yeah. Yeah. See, that makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then there's just simply the annihilationist perspective that simply says, you know, you're just not going to wake up. You're going to die, and that's going to be the end of you. Uh, which is an interesting perspective because I remember Hugh Hefner uh, passed away not long ago, uh, did not believe in God, did not believe in heaven or hell, uh, went away in blissful ignorance. I don't know how he faced any sense of judgment. Mm. So uh, I I think we're still left and stuck with the biblical material. Wishing it to go away doesn't make it go away. We have biblical material before us. It's either right or it's wrong, and I think that's what we have to come to terms with. And I think those movements... Uh, that would suggest they're Christian movements, but avoid hell, aren't biblical movements. Yeah, but let's remember we've got Christian movements as well that deny that Christ suffered the wrath of the Father on the cross. Uh, We have Christian movements that deny the inerrancy of Scripture. Uh, But we have Christian movements that deny almost everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I can't think, Ben, of one single doctrinal point, one single belief point, in the Christian faith that is not being challenged and has not been challenged throughout our history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Isaac, I'm thinking of you and I'm somehow sympathizing for you okay. because you, you're in a challenging day. Uh, not to talk about a Jesus of love, mm-hmm. but to talk about a God of wrath. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I don't, how do you approach the whole issue of hell yeah. with your generation? Well, firstly, just to be right away honest, like if you, if you believe the Bible's inerrant, there, there, it takes a sense of uh, boldness and courage just to step out and say it and do that. I, I remember actually just recently, I, was, I lead a, a small group and uh, they're all young adults and I was talking about the righteousness of God and did the whole night and I was preparing for the next week and I realized that I'd never talked about hell when I talked about the righteousness of God and I thought, that's very important. I should talk about that. So the next week was on God is love. So I actually started the God is love portion with talking about the reality of hell. And to be honest with you, it was writing it and saying it was a little bit like, oh man, what are they going to think about this? And there's the thought, what are they going to think about this? Because this is pretty extreme when you take the, the biblical truths and, and talk to people about it. But it went over very well. So the first thing I would say is to, to millennials and the young adult generation is that you know, it does take some courage to be able to move past this emotional sort of barrier that so many people have. I remember Rob Bell, he's a very 
uh, influential, uh, Christian calls himself a Christian, very influential kind of an emergent progressive movement. And back in 2011, he wrote a book called Love Wins, which was kind of questioning, pushing people towards this idea of universalism that, you know, God, love wins at the end, right? Christ comes down, everyone will be one to Christ. And at the, in the book trailer, he talks about this time when his church was having this art show and someone had painted a picture of Gandhi. And uh, I guess he walked past this painting and he saw a little um, note that someone stuck to the painting that said, too bad Gandhi's in hell. And he took that and then he asks the, the camera with this book trailer, he says, Gandhi's in hell. And he looks, really? And what he's doing at that point is he's, he's attracting all these millennials to say, yeah, Gandhi was a great person. Of course he wouldn't, of course he wouldn't be in hell. Gandhi was such a good, a good guy. So there's emotional barrier that you have to kind of just pierce through with this biblical truth. And the Holy Spirit obviously plays a role in that as well. And it's a tough one, right? I mean, we know a lot of good people. I know a lot of good people that are living probably better lives than a lot of people that yeah. would call themselves Christians. Sure. So it's, it, it's easy to say Hitler's likely going to be in hell. Charles Manson's likely going to be in hell. But Aunt Sally? Yeah, and I think, first of all, we need to be very careful. Um, when a person puts that sticker on, you know, two baddies in hell, that person doesn't know that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You know, that person, nobody knows. That is within the purview of God alone. Yeah. And to make ourselves God, I think, is a very unrighteous thing. So I would warn individuals from saying the very kind of thing that's being said. First of all, they are playing God. And secondly, they are creating this kind of anti-biblical fervor mm -hmm. because of that kind of, uh, of, of irresponsible statement, yeah. I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the second thing is, what do we make of people who are basically good people? And I think it was Kelvin who once said that if in a world of nothing but black, when we see the slightest shade of gray, we are overwhelmed at its beauty because we've never seen anything so absolutely lovely before, but were all the lights turned on and we would see all the colors, we would recognize that what we saw as overwhelmingly beautiful was but a shade of black. Mm. And I do think that superimposed against the glory and the beauty and the righteousness of God, infinite holiness, then to actually say anything that I've done, as scripture says, is as filthy rags before him. Mm. I mean, ultimately we need to say that. And then we're back to again having to restate what sin is. It's a transgression against the holiness yeah. of God. So it's, it's because we can't get ourselves to actually break into the biblical worldview that we continue to bump up against this, yeah. find it so offensive. Yeah, so we only have a couple of minutes left. Um, what do you think are the principal things that we need to be teaching about hell in two minutes or less? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do think um, that we need to continue to uh, affirm to people that this is a motivation for holy living in ourselves because if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received a knowledge of the truth, says Hebrews 10, no sacrifice of sins are left. So we should be, we should be terrified that we should give ourselves over into sin. The second thing that we should do is it should motivate us to missions and evangelism and simply saying, Lord, tell me what it takes. Help my heart not to be so cold to the plight of the unbelieving world that I simply care about myself. So I would say those two things are really foremost in my mind. And that, that really was the, the driving motivation for so many of the great missionaries that we refer to today. It, 
It absolutely was. The modern mission movement with William Carey onwards, which really sparked a worldwide evangelism, which has ushered untold millions in the kingdom. Yeah. It, it can't be understated. The, the motivation that people were going to hell drove mm -hmm. these men and women on the mission field. Mm -hmm. And I would add one more application would be thank God that he's a God that is, his throne is founded on righteousness and justice, yeah. as Psalm 89 says, and the fact that evil will be punished and he will repay, he says. And that's something to be thankful for. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, guys. That's not an easy subject, but an absolutely necessary thing to talk about. And uh, we'd encourage you that if you want to hear more on the subject, uh, Dr. Newfeld has put together a wonderful five-message series called Hell Explained. Uh, that you can get at backtothebible.ca. Thanks so much for joining us, and join us again next week as we talk about politics and Christianity. We hope you're enjoying the new Truth in Life Today show with Dr. John Newfeld. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode each week. But we want you to be involved in the show. To submit your own personal questions to Dr. John, you can email us at info at backtothebible.ca or find us on Facebook by searching Truth in Life Today.